It's another episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. I hope everyone is doing well. It's our first part two episode. We're talking Britpop part two. We, you know, have healed from Oasis versus Shed 7. So much so that we can talk about the Verve versus Manson today with special guest Tara Court. You'll see there's a lot of differing opinions here and slightly heated discussions, but all in a good natured way. And I think we come to some nice conclusions at the end. So please go ahead and enjoy. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Urbachettes. Over underrated. Welcome to the latest episode of Over Underrated. How are you, Fran? And what have you been listening to? I am doing okay. Thank you for asking. And I am listening to Hayley Marie this week. Who is Hayley Marie? She is the lead singer of the band Jezebels from Australia. And she's been working on a solo album for the past two or three years with the guy from DMAs. And I love it. And that's the. Okay, two two first names sounding good. I uh, I've been listening to the new Tommy Genesis album. I don't know if you know her friend, but I think you'd hate her. Yes, I'm, I'm aware of her work. Yes, I'm aware of her work. Uh, of, uh, she she calls her music fetish rap, and she sings a lot about sex. And as as we know from previous uh, episodes, not exactly fans kind of thing, but I I think it's a really good album. It's the first. Well, she's had. A, Two, two albums and EPs and it's the first album that I really like as a, an album whole and um, yeah I talked previously about Halsey's I'm Not a Woman I'm, I'm a God that I quite liked she also has a song called A Woman is a God and it's very good as well so I recommend it but we are not alone we have another music fan with us today we do we have Tara Court hello Tara how are you doing hi I'm good thank you thanks for having me on guys um, it's really yeah thanks you are very welcome. Have you been listening to anything that you'd like to shout out? Um, yeah, I've been listening to uh, Montero by Lil Nas X. Mm-hmm. Um, that is good as well. It's a really, really good album. I just I just love him. I just love everything about him, how he is so unapologetically gay with everything that he does. I read a really good interview with him the other day where he said he was really he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to come out. Um, and he just did it. And now he's just being completely unapologetic about it. And I love it. So, you know, you don't get a lot of that in rap. Yeah, absolutely. And like visually, he's incredible. And he's I think someone called him like an absolute professional troll because every time he gets criticized, he just takes it and flips it and, you know, does a music video about it or writes a song about it. It just yeah. it feels like he's kind of untouchable. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. He's really great. He's He's fantastic. However, for this episode, we are delving back into the past because this is Britpop Part 2. <laughs> uh, I, I think personally, I'm going to have a bit less issues with Britpop Part 2 than Britpop Part 1. Just to let you know, Tara, Britpop Part 1 was Oasis versus Shed 7. And I, I really dislike Oasis. Uh, here, I'm a bit more neutral or even interested. Um, okay, cool. what, what about you, Fran? I guess we should call them Britpop-ish. Britpop-esque. <laughs> Because they were kind of those two bands that are in the same era. Mm. I wouldn't really, I, I guess the album we're talking about uh, is a little bit Britpop, but most of the other albums by these bands, you, just, you know, rock and roll or, mm. you know, psychedelic rock, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we are discussing um, The Verve and Manson and uh, two bands I know very, very well because I was a teenager in the 90s. And uh, yeah, I it's the music that I grew up loving was 
the latter day Britpop. So I am excited to chat about it. And I have been looking through my old CDs like I was <laughs> 17 again. So Tara, why did you pick the Verva's Overrated? If you notice by my track picks, mm-hmm. I didn't pick This Is Music or History or Gravity Grave. I picked the stuff from A Northern Soul and the one that they had out after A Northern Soul because possibly they just got played to death. Urban Hymns, me. Urban Hymns, sorry, yeah, Urban sorry. Hymns, yeah. I suddenly had a um, crisis. I was like, did I, did I listen <laughs> no, to that? No, no, it's me. It's, it's me. Because, because I wasn't like ever a... I was never an enormous fan of the verb. I, like I say, I liked um, This Is Music and History and some of the other earlier stuff. So when they came back, like with Oasis and when Echo and the Bunnymen came back as well, um, I was just sick of hearing Bittersweet Symphony. I was sick of it. You know, I don't, don't get me wrong, I've danced to them when I've been out when I was a teenager, but it just gets to the point where you're just like, oh, really? Um, and I can't really say it's a it's an artist thing either because I don't like Richard Ashcroft, but then again, I'm not a huge fan of Paul Draper from Manson either. So, <laughs> you know. Well, Tara, when Fran sent me through the, the Verve playlist and I saw basically five songs that I like, I was like, is, is Tara mad? Like, what's, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? But then, I, so I, I was talking to Fran about it and he said, well, you know that Verve sounded very different before Urban Hymns. And actually I didn't because I was only 10 in, uh, in 1997 when everything was played to death. And it, it was played to death. I think most, most of the songs that you've picked have been, but it didn't bother me too much because I enjoyed it for, mm. for the most part. And actually, because I was talking to Fran about it, he sent me some extra homework. He sent me a playlist called like Verve 93 to 95 yeah. to give me a little flavor of what they sounded like. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, they do they do sound quite different before yeah. then. But um but yeah, I my my personally with Verve, I think they're a band I've I've always liked, but I have to say a bit like the underrated pick Manson, every time I've tried to go in a bit deeper and listen to more album tracks and go beyond the singles it hasn't quite clicked mm. for me so you know I can't I can't claim to be a, a huge fan but um I saw Richard Ashcroft live in 2018 in uh Vector Classic uh in Belgium he played a mixture of uh, stuff and solo stuff and and yeah he he I find him very charismatic I think even as a 10 year old I find him found him quite fit so that mm. was that was motivation enough to to be bowled over <laughs> and um I think I'd always enjoyed Verve lyrics and actually kind of sitting down and listening to them again, uh, I thought, yeah, I, I, I still do. And I, I still think they're quite clever. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting getting into it and uh, and hearing more about why you dislike the particular songs you've picked. I remember um, my my first girlfriend, who has a link to both these bands, she mm. bought History on CD single and she cried whilst listening to it because at that time they had just broken up and that was going to be the Verve's last ever song. Yeah. Mm. So history was a very apt title, and then, and I like that song. And then I, I remember um, going through and discovering Gravity Grave, which I thought was a brilliant track. And it sounds nothing like, you know, that era. It's like psychedelic guitars, and it's mm. like, you know, it goes on for like six, seven minutes of looping, mm. you know, um, instrumentation. And apparently, I think when they first got together, like. They didn't have choruses, just had jams. And the producer had to tell them to repeat sentences that had at least a chorus. Otherwise, it was just a meandering jam for 10 minutes. So it's kind of strange how they then became that 1997 band we're going to basically talk about, which is kind of a Richard Ashcroft solo album, really. Yeah, pretty much. And that's kind of why it's 
very different to the first two albums. But yeah, I mean, I I love Better Sweet Symphony, and then I, you know, I, I kind of put them into the bland part of uh, Britpop alongside yes. Embrace as like, hey, we've we've got Honestly. an orchestra, let's have an orchestra, Jeffrey. <laughs> so yeah, so I can see why we are talking about this band as overrated. But so we go into the playlist. Let's do it so I can disagree with both of you vehemently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Overrated. So what's the what's the first song you pick? Bittersweet Symphony is the most overrated of the verb tracks. And I am that much of a horrible person that when they had to sign over all of their royalties to the Rolling Stones, I was happy because I was so sick to death of hearing it. When I went out, it'd be on the football, it'd just be on adverts, you know. Um, I know that they've re-agreed and I think the Stones have given them back, I don't know if it's the whole percentage or they've given them a percentage, but I don't know, I just, you couldn't escape it because I was... I was 18 in 1997, so I was just going out. Mm. And I so I was started going out in the Britpop era. And every week, I could guarantee you, you would hear uh, Daydreamer by Menswear, you would hear Dolphin by Shed 7, and you would hear Bittersweet Symphony. And it would pretty much be like that as well <laughs> in those. And you just, and there was really nowhere else to go. So you'd go out, and then you just, you can't dance to it either. I think all because all my friends were in love with Richard Ashcroft as well, and I was like, "Oh, come on!" Is he, is he um, a dish? I never thought it was a, uh, to me. Is he I, really? I, is he really? No, it's it's. It... But I, I like them tall, skinny, and broody, and oh, okay. that's not that's not everyone's taste. I know. It is, and it is, and it isn't, and I can kind of see it. But he looks like he's had, he's been punched in the face. <laughs> but he's got lovely but that's sexual how... lips. Surely, come on. <laughs> that was probably yeah, actually that's... Nick McKay probably did that though. To be fair, yeah, probably, yeah, with his guitar, yeah. Um. I liked it when it first came out and I bought the CD single and then I maybe listened to it twice at home because it was everywhere else. So I didn't actually need to listen to it. I never got what, how they got to be so successful. I mean, Richard Ashcroft's voice is okay. It's not great. McCabe's guitar playing is great, but there again, I couldn't name you the other two members of the Verve because they were the only two that ever got any press. So. And you can't hear any guitar in that song, can you? You just hear strings and, no, strings strings and drums, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. Is Nick McCabe even on Urban Hings? Like... He was added at the end, so right, but ba- okay. yeah, basically they replaced him, mm-hmm. and then last minute Richard Ashcroft said, oh, we need him back, so he came on and added his guitar to all the songs, but I, I can't really hear. I, th- I heard it live, and you can hear him play, play guitar live, but on the actual mm-hmm. main track, it just literally all you can hear is a sample on the drum beat, really. Yeah. Uh, so are you a fan? Uh, I'm a huge fan of this song. I, I, I can, I can totally agree with you on it being overplayed. But um, for me, something like uh, Wonderwall or Don't Look Back in Anger was way more overplayed and way more annoying than this. And, and yeah, I, I just didn't like it. I didn't dislike it as much. I think the, I, I like the way the this album in general uses strings and how it mixes it with synths. It's a great title. It's an evocative, evocative lyrics, iconic video. You know, it, it, for me, it has it all. Um, 
Yeah, I was thinking, Tara, when you were saying that you can't dance to it, I, I imagined that people not just like pretend to walk down the indie <laughs> club bumping into people. I'd, I'd go for that dance routine. Uh, and I wondered, you know, given that you you said that the verb was was overplayed, did do you, do you feel like you've softened a little bit putting this playlist together and probably listened to these songs for the first time in ages, or is it is it still sort of traumatic memory? So it's it's I like I, I'm not you know I I haven't I have enjoyed revisiting because they're, they're not played every single Thursday, Friday and Saturday night when you go out. Yeah. <laughs> Fran, what do, you, what do you think? So when it came out, and, and obviously I was watching this from MTV, and the video was amazing and it sounded amazing. I got hurt when I found out it was a sample. That, that, <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> it, it, it kind of, no, it ruined it for me a bit. Um, yes, yeah, so I loved it, but I, I agree with Tara, you know, by a month later, I would just skip it instantly. So I can't say it's, it's an overrated song because I remember the feeling I, when I first heard it and that those strings first, you know, came came, no, came through the speakers. It was like, a, oh my God, this is different. And uh, yeah, and I adored it. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Now I would probably not listen to the whole song. Um, but I, um, I've i only heard it once live when I saw it's Duskcroft at Isle of Wight 2005. And he had a saxophone player drawing some songs. And I joked to my mate, it'd be horrible if he plays Beatrice Street Symphony on a saxophone. I went, oh yeah, at the end, <laughs> out comes the saxophone. <laughs> oh, and literally, God. I wanted to start. So I've heard the worst version possible of that song. Wow. It does not work surprisingly with a saxophone instead of strings, to be fair. Who, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> yeah, who knew? Uh, that was an awful gig. He kept saying, bring back the troops, Tony. Bring back the troops. I was like, um, can we have some fun now, please, Richard? That's <laughs> what. No. Um, yeah. 2005. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It was like it was like about three years after the event yeah. as well. It was like, yeah. okay, we've moved on since then. He was, but, um, he was still angry about it. Still he's angry about very it, angry. But yeah. but yeah, I wonder if are the lyrics about the band? Is that his bittersweet symphony? I just think it's about life. Is it? Yeah. yeah, it's it's about life. And what, what I quite like is because it's like, you know, the whole you're a slave to money and you die. It's just sex and violence, melody and silence. I guess what's nice about the music video is I guess it's him trying to overcome that. It's like, doesn't matter what obstacles you put in my way. I'm going to I'm going to keep going no matter what, and no matter who's uh, engaging with me. Although I read that there's an alternative music video to Bittersweet Symphony oh, really? where he gets beaten up. Or something and then puts his hand through a fa- like very i was like that's a very different uh different meaning and different ending not but... surprised i don't know how he didn't get beaten up in the first <laughs> one genuinely like there are, you know there are some bits that you know us are staged and then there are some bits that you don't you know there's that old guy he pushes that woman out of the way and that's that old guy mm-hmm. just having a go at him yeah. and i don't know how he didn't get hit maybe he did i wonder how many takes it was to do the video mm. yeah yeah i guess i guess it's, what i like about it as well though it's uh it's a riff on um Unfinished mm. Sympathy by mm-hmm. Massive Attack with Shara Nelson, the video as well, because that's her walking down the street. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I quite, I like that they've taken that from it. Yeah, It's strange though, isn't it? Like, we talk about music now and videos being as one, but it's very rare you hear a modern song and even know what the video is, yeah. apart from maybe WAP. Um, but it's, you know, or, you know, <laughs> or Baby, Lazex, or baby Shock. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird, isn't it? With a lot of the songs of the 90s, as soon as I hear the music, I see the music video and it's kind of faded away now, isn't it? 
I have a feeling that it's like people are still watching music videos, but it's not as wide an audience. It's more like people watching and rewatching or the fans who who watch and rewatch. But yeah, as much as I, I like Bittersweet Symphony still, I have to say it's it's not my favorite Urban Hymn song. That's one that's coming up later. So uh, so let, <laughs> right. let's see. But what, what's oh, it? I'll button down the hatches for that one. <laughs> what's your next pick, Tara? The next one is uh, The Drugs Don't Work, also from Urban Hymn. So why did you pick this one? I'm anti-drugs. And I think it possibly in my my naivety, I'm like ridiculous naive when I was like a teenager. So um, I thought it was about, I thought it was about drugs. I don't know what it's about because I haven't explored mm-hmm. um, the Verve's lyrics because, and then thinking back, it could be about antidepressants or anything else. You know, it's and it's a downer, mm-hmm. but there again loads of songs are downers you know I think the the most recent albums I've been listening to have been massively downers I'm a Smiths fan for crying out loud so (laughs) I'm no a downer it sounds like I've got a real vendetta against the verve I don't I really don't it's just gonna clip that and put that as the as the trailer by the way yeah (laughs) um it's just the stuff they did before urban hymns was better okay and it's like they sort of I don't know if they sort of mold, they had to move with the times because it was Britpop and kind of re-evolve into a Britpop band so that they could have those lads, lads, lads fans and, you know, the Adidas gazelle wearers. And, um, yeah, I, it, this is the thing. I, I don't dislike any of these songs. Genuinely don't. Having listened back, I don't. But I just always thought that the were gave had more... Uh, opportunities than other bands and they were just okay yeah I, I mean I would say this was as overplayed as Bittersweet Symphony in my in yeah. my opinion and yeah this this is one I, I don't like so much because um, it's a bit ballady you've got the country guitars in, in the background but again like with Bittersweet Symphony I think it uses strings really well and it's very evocative lyrics so Taria I thought it was about how drugs are bad <laughs> that yeah. was my initial thinking then I went to look at the mm. lyrics again and I, I, I looked stuff up and uh, apparently Richard Ashcroft said, there's a new track I've written, it's called The Drugs Don't Work. That's how I'm feeling at the moment. They make me worse, man, but I still take them out of boredom and frustration. You turn to something else to escape. So I think you were correct okay. that uh, yeah. that maybe they weren't as, as anti-drugs. So yeah, I, I would say this is one of my less favorite songs from, from Urban Hymns, but because it's not one of my favorites and it was the first time I listened to it in ages, it had a nice nostalgic glow for me. Yeah. I to it. What about you, Fran? It is um, very M.O.R. verb, isn't it, really? You know, you can listen to this with a cup of tea. This is when they went from being cool rock stars to, like, Radio 2 friendly. And uh, the, the actual melody is identical to Crowded House, Better Come Home Soon. Oh, and okay. I've seen Neil Finn start playing bit, start playing the song and then going into Better Come Home Soon to prove it. But I, I don't think he, he matters. I've also heard that this is about his father as well. Um, in, oh. in another interview um, later on, but you know how rock stars are, they keep changing the meaning of their songs, don't they really? But um, again, I think it relies maybe on the orchestra. I think that um, in the late 90s, from like 96 onwards, every indie band was given a budget and suddenly they all had orchestras, even if they needed to or not, you know, like I think when Swade first did it, 
with like Dogman Star, it was quite unusual to, to have a, mm. an orchestra. And then by 95, you had Shed Seven, Embrace, Dodgy, you know, everyone had an orchestra for their slow song to give it a bit more extra gravitas, for example. And I guess sadly, bands can't afford to leave it anymore because no one's going to be given the budget as I had back mm-hmm. in the 90s, you know, they'd be lucky to get a violin player, let alone a four-piece four mm. orchestra. So I guess, you know, when you've got the budget, go for it. But um, Just go for it, yeah. Yeah, but I've always found this, this and uh, another song we're going to mention just really bland. And I remember being quite frustrated thinking, I thought they were for like, you know, a proper like rock band, like Stone Roses. And these are not <laughs> rock songs, you know, there's no riffs, yeah. there's no... Um, there's no like yeah there's no, nothing you can grab hold or mosh to or dance to so I found it a bit strange why people were adoring the Verve I, by this point I, I kind of got bored of them and so interesting that you say that because I, I really think that that clouds judgment differently because when I when I went to listen to Franz 93 to 95 playlist I was like all right this is very different but actually I thought it was a lot more derivative I thought it basically sounded like Ride or another shoegaze band whereas I don't think the the specific well yeah the sound of urban hymns you know maybe there's one or two bands you could compare it with but I I do think it is quite original and especially in how they use guitars and strings I I but maybe that's because yeah I'm not so well versed in Britpop and I, I had no idea that Dodgy ever used an orchestra and would have never guessed it in a minute. If you're years. thinking of me, <laughs> yeah, like embrace, you know, it's, it's, it became like that sort of. You've production. really got it in for embrace, haven't you? <laughs> yes, you know what? The sad thing is, I actually like embrace. I, I prefer embrace to the verve. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't own any verve albums. Uh, I just like I like history. I like slide away. I like gravity grave. They're the songs I probably listen to. Everything else, I don't hate it. It would just go over my head. It's just there. It, yeah. and... It's just there. Like, I listen to History, This Is Music, Gravity Grave, uh, and that's about it. Like, I, I will listen to this. If, you know, if it came on the radio, I wouldn't switch it off. It, it did just seem to be more lad rock. See, that's really interesting, because to me, it's not. At all, like, because, because his lyrics seem so much more sensitive uh like especially on some of the of the later songs we're going to discuss like it isn't just about booze and booze and gals um but we have we have learned that lads don't listen to lyrics have you have you, have you, have you <laughs> yeah, seen that's true Design for life they have no idea what that, that song no. is an anti-drinking song but they still yeah. sing it like a football anthem yeah. so they probably haven't listened to the lyrics so perhaps i mean yeah, yeah they, they look like lads for sure but to me they, they did especially str- lads and strings i wouldn't put together either but yeah, no, I think you're right. It's um, by lads, I do mean you know the way they look and you know the fact that they are a guitar band, and so they will have got lumped in with Oasis. Like Blur weren't particularly a lad band, but then they came out in the whole. They did become a lad band when they did uh, the Great Escape, and they did that video with Damien Hurst mm. with the the Page Three women in, and that I hated that. I just because they were never they were never that. They, went, they didn't start out that way and they didn't need to become that. Um, but I think, yeah, it was just, you know, at the time going out um, when I did, when I, when I was youthful, um, that's all the lads, all the lads would be wearing Verve T-shirts or Oasis T-shirts or whatever. And so that's, I don't necessarily, I don't class the lyrics as lads lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's just the scene at the time where it was just very much lads and lads, 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 and Adidas and Carlin. You know how like bands like the Kings of Leon, when mm. their fourth album came out, is it only the night? 
uh, became a massive success. Everyone would go on about the early albums. Is it, is it the same sort of thing? You know, like for me, I preferred Elbow's first three albums to Seldon Kid, and then that made them massive. Is it that it's a frustration that? Um, guys, why are we not listening to them earlier? These albums. Are- <laughs> I don't know. I I I used to be like that. I, you know, I my husband always jokes that I I used to be a, an awful awful music snob. Like really Same. did. Yeah. Um, and then one night I was drunk in a nightclub and the DJ played Living Livy the Loca and I got up and danced my ass mm-hmm. off. So it's like I could I couldn't I couldn't be a music snob after that. Um, I do have sometimes I do have a degree of well you're listening to this when that's what wound me up about the kings of leon because youth and young manhood is a fantastic album the first two maybe three albums are really good then sex on fire comes out and it's dreadful Mm. i remember at that time saying that the new kings of leon song was like the emperor's new clothes i didn't get it i didn't get why people loved it so much because to me it wasn't it wasn't them Mm -hmm. it wasn't what i was used to with them so um yeah, I had to. A friend of mine, um, a friend of mine is in a wheelchair, and she needed a carer to go with her to see the Kings of Leon. And she asked me, and I went, and I was just bored. Mm. Like I got to go for free, and I was just like this. Uh, Kings of Leon. I could not agree with you more. The first three Kings of Leon albums are excellent, excellent, mm-hmm. and they are one of the most boring live bands I've ever seen. And I saw them, I yeah. think, just before before um sex on fire came out so i was dead excited because you know i I liked all their stuff and it was at a festival they had no chat they just played the songs as on the album i might as well have stayed home and i was just like exactly i think you know it it's not like i've uh to be a good gig you have to have in between chat but i i think it's you need either in between chat and or music being a bit different than on the album because if there's if there's none of that then yeah you might as well have stayed home I what I did find interesting with the Verve is that I watched them uh, live today, and they are a more interesting band live than they are on record, because mm. they don't rely on the orchestras. And Nick can play and play his guitar more. They had more grooves, and Richard Ashcroft was like adding lyrics and you know going for it. So they are a better live band than they are, I think, on record. And I think if I saw the Verve in nineteen ninety seven live i would probably like them more yeah but i'm going by the you know the videos and the the the, the sounds i heard and and when I, I listened back to the album today and are they is urban hymns an album which has five vega songs and a lot of songs everyone's forgotten about or is it an album that people love all the songs for it because it was always held as like you know up there with okay computer in 1997 mm-hmm. and i find that insane because mm. I didn't, I don't like one other song apart from the singles on Urban Hymns. Babs, are you a fan of? Uh, no, because every time I've tried to get into Urban Hymns, the album, it just doesn't work for me. So yeah, like, like I said at the beginning, and and uh, well, the the one song that you've picked from another album, Tara, like same, I actually quite enjoy it, but tried and 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 failed. Um, mm. Although, yeah, did you guys know that Urban Hymns is the 18th best-selling album in UK chart history? Uh, it sold uh, over 10 million copies. Right. Right. And what's even interesting is that that was one of the only Britpop bands who did okay in America. Yeah. They toured America quite a lot, didn't they? The, uh, the yeah, they did. Yeah, they did okay. Uh-huh. You know, I think they, they did better than Oasis, mm. I think. Is it because they're lucky I mean, men? Or hey, say, hey. Oh, I see what you've done. <laughs> I see what you've done. Um, I mean, Richard Ashcroft is very charismatic. Mm-hmm. He is. I mean, for all I've what I've said about him, he's, you know, he's quite a charismatic front man from what I've seen. But they're just not me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have got I have got a fact about Urban Hymns. Go on, then. go for it. Yes. It was released twenty four years ago today. Yes, uh, 
I think was it the Radio X uh, yeah, yeah, Instagram yeah. account? I saw it on um, I saw it on Shine On because I go to the Shine On festival down in Minehead, and I saw it on their Instagram page today. So yeah, 29th of the 9th, 1997. Yeah. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Sopra sottovalutato. Over underrated. Yeah, and uh, so what's your next pick from this iconic album? You've already, uh, you've already, you've already gazumped me with it. Spoiler <laughs> alert! Man. Yeah, lucky man. It's yeah. it's fine. It's a it's a man and a guitar. Sorry, I saw your reaction there when I said it's fine. You know, like you could reach through the screen and, and hit me. You could. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to hit you. Don't, don't worry. No, I, this this is my favorite Verve song by okay. by a mile. Uh, it makes me cry often oh, when I right. when I listen to it. Not because it's so bad. Before you say anything, uh, <laughs> the when the strings build at the end, the duh, 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 like uh, the lyrics. Uh, I mean, I, the video. All I remember is yeah, man playing a guitar in a flat with some boards, looking uh, flatmates. But I think again with the it's it's very strange because Fran and I often talk about how we don't really pay attention to lyrics, but with with basically all the songs from Urban Hymns, I. I can't help but hear the lyrics. I, I feel like, I don't know if it's the clarity of Richard Ashcroft's voice or because, you know, they're deceptively simple. But I find it like a really joyous, a joyous celebration. And again, I, I enjoy it being about a theme that, yeah, not, not so many people uh, write about. Although I will say it's not my favourite song called Lucky Man. My favourite song called Lucky Man is by Emerson, Lake and Palmer. So <laughs> there we go. Looking at the lyrics... They are quite miserable, aren't they? They are anthem- <laughs> they, they are anthemic and miserable, which is a bit like the Smiths, I guess. Is yeah. that an, I think it's a northern tradition because uh, the band we can talk about later one also has a lot of miserable lyrics yeah. in an up tempo way. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's part of the, the Lancashire kind of thing, you know. Um, I knew that um, the Verve had become Radio Two Bladness when my cousin Rupert. Um, asked me on Boxing Day 1997, have you heard of the band The Verve? I quite like the song for Lucky Man. And I thought, oh, that's it. They, if that's Rupert's it. a fan, then they are no that's longer the cool. That's now. <laughs> Sorry, Pabs. Oh, it's fine, it's fine. Um, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's quite fun to, to kind of be against to two people. I, I, I don't mind, but I, I, like I said, I, I do think I have a bit of a different relationship being a bit younger. Also, I have to say, because I was 10 when this song came out. I, I remember the lyrics. I'm stood here naked, smiling. I feel no disgrace. And I remember being like, oh, he's yeah. the, the pretty man's talking about being naked. So that might be an influence. Uh, <laughs> an early, dirty-minded Barbara, but there we go. Well, the next yeah. song is quite different, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. What's your next pick, Tara? Uh, Love is Noise from the 2008 album. Yeah, that one thing that sticks out, I was, I was in between jobs. I got a job. Uh, I was temping in um, a place that made um, incontinence stuff. So like incontinence pants and incontinence pads and stuff. And we'd have the radio on it, which would be Radio 1. And the two songs I remember constantly being played was that one, I Like You So Much Better When You're Naked. And... and um, I didn't know, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Love Is Noise. And listening to Love Is Noise, those noises at the start, I forget who it was, but one of the presenters said it sounds like the Teletubbies. And I can't unhear that now. You know, that, eh, 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 that bit. And it's just, yeah, it is. I don't think that spoiled it for me. I just, it's just a, a, it's just a plodder. It just plods along. It doesn't really do much or go anywhere. It was, um, 
I first heard us on a Glastonbury headlining set, I think that year. And it was quite a shock because it didn't sound anything like you'd expect sounds the verb to like sound them. like. It kind of, listening back today, it kind of sounds a bit like Keen, the, the production of it, more than the verb, the, 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 the Sims. And that uh 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 is Richard Ashcroft. Apparently, I don't know if you guys probably read the same thing, but he was uh, doing a loop on a vocoder to the other song, Columbo. Mm-hmm. And then they thought, oh, that sounds quite cool. And then they built the song around him looping. So that his is his voice oh, okay. on a vocoder going, uh uh, uh uh. And they, that's, how they, that's how they created the uh the track. But um, yeah, it's 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 I guess it was a decent pop song. It was very unexpected. Um I then tried to think of any other song off the album and couldn't think of one, <laughs> which is quite incredible. Uh, I've only listened to the album today and I think I knew Rather Be, which is also kind of a very average track. It's a very strange album for the birth mm. to do. It, it seems like that they weren't in, the hearts weren't in it at all. It doesn't sound anything no. like any of our other albums. No, and it the, sounds like they just did it for the money. And then it sort of it petered out really far, so that was the end of the birth. Yeah. Um, Babs, what was your thoughts of Love? Uh, so I quite like the song. Um, I I feel Tara. I feel like the Verve are following you around or something. I, I feel like you've been somehow cursed because you're saying that yeah they were they were everywhere when you went out and also then when you were working. I, I think I think Richard Ashcroft's after you and, and I understand I think he's stalking me. I think yeah. he is stalking you uh, because I don't remember the song stalking me at all. I I remember I, yeah I, I think I must have had some access to music TV because I remember the video quite clearly. Clearly, I think probably the first time I saw it was with the video on TV. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is not quite a return to form like like Urban Hymns because that's that's all I knew, but it's enjoyable mm-hmm. enough, you know, and it's a, you know, it's not a song like Lucky Man that I'll put on on repeat and get very emotional about, but um, I, I quite like it. I like the 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 driving, the driving drums, bass and synths. I think all the instruments are working in unison. You know, the lyrics a bit less evocative and interesting mm-hmm. uh, compared to Urban Hymns, but yeah. That's, yeah, they're quite good. simplistic lyrics, aren't they? There's For this nothing- one, yeah. There's nothing behind them. I mean, I know you said like there there are things behind the lyrics on Urban Hymns, mm-hmm. um, but no, there seems to be no, no substance. It's just like right, what can I do? I'll just crack out a few, crack out a few lyrics. We're away. Let's go. Yeah, I think it, one one thing that I haven't mentioned yet. I I do quite like Richard Ashcroft harmonising with himself. You know, like mm. uh, I, I think he does that well. And I, I yeah, I know, knowing now that it's him doing the voices, um, I quite enjoy that. And I think that's. So that's where on urban hymns it improves you know like in um in uh bittersweet symphony when he says it's just sex and violence melody and silence but that's over like him repeating others yeah. the whole time it makes it so much better uh mm. but and and here it works but it doesn't work as well and then uh finally to uh my favorite song by the verve oh okay i've ruined i've ruined both you know <laughs> <laughs> it's um sonnet by the verb from urban hymns i guess if i had to that's probably my one or my favorite one off this album and that's why it's at the bottom of the list because <laughs> i would say that this is my least favorite of the list oh, okay. so uh so yeah so uh, um and i i feel like this one was overplayed uh more than lucky man in my experience or maybe it's just because hmm. it's so droney but yeah um what, so despite it being your favorite do you still feel it was overplayed why, why did you pick it in the end um i just quite I don't know I quite like it didn't it, it didn't annoy me as much now, do you know what if I was to go and put this album on now I could sing you all of these songs word for word because I know them mm-hmm. um, whether that's because I've heard them a lot it, well it will be because I've heard them a lot because I've never owned a Verve album but I don't know I think it's just 
I, I, I'd like the lyrics, my friend and me looking through her red box of memories. I think it's quite nice. And it's, you know, is it his friend? Is it his, like his, his ex or it's just a nice. And I like, uh, I like the word sonnet as well. It's just, it can be as simple as that. Yeah. I think his voice is really good on it, this one. So, so Fran, it really is your your favourite. Uh, you weren't, uh, you weren't being I just think that the melody does to that, like, he could play that on acoustic guitar mm. and the bit where it goes, oh, best love if... As soon as he sings that part, I, mm. I'm on board. It's got such a, a, a great melody all the way through it. And as you may have heard before, I'm a fan of the melody. And I love the guitar sounds, perfect. Yeah. And I love the way at the end it sort of changed. Like, it could go back to the, the chorus. Mm. You think it's going to go back to the original chorus, but it changes direction. Um, yeah, I can just listen to it again and again and again. And I've probably not heard this... At, at that time, it was the other three songs that were on mm. repeat. This wasn't heard as much. I think it might have been the last single of the album. So by then, people you know may have not uh, been as excited by the fourth single. But um, yeah, it's, and I just think it was a it's a perfect northern pop song. Mm. Yeah, no, I like I really like the guitar on it as well, like the little ching, dun, dun, bit, you know dun, that. Dun, yeah, yeah, I I really yeah I did. It's it's the best. It's not the best verve song. The best verve song is "This Is Music," but that's why I haven't <laughs> picked that because because it's uh, it's not overrated. Uh, yeah, it's quite funny that even on on this, I disagree with you. But like I said, I I really I don't I don't really like this song. It sounds like Blur to me more more than anything else. And yeah, not not necessarily the Blur that I like. But on re-listening. I really like the when he goes, my Lord, because it, it almost sounds like there's going to be a time change. Like it, it kind of wrong foots you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hadn't really thought about that. And I guess the the ending, as you said, Fran, of how you don't know what direction it's going to go in. And, you know, it, it kind of ramps up that that's quite good. But yeah, it's a bit droney for me. Like, uh, na, 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 na. yeah, I uh, I'm, I'm not such a fan. So, yeah, apologies. But listen. We have reached the end of this playlist and I'm sure the chat is going to be very different for the next one. <laughs> so, yeah, um, are we going to mention Richard Ashcroft these days? Is, he's gone I, think, a bit... I think we should, given who we're talking about in the later band as well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Fran, I think, Fran, you were telling me about it because I yeah, I, I was out of the loop a bit on this one. But, yeah, didn't he pull out of playing uh, yeah, venue? Yeah, I mean, he's always been a prickly character, hence why the verb don't exist anymore. And it's always, like, like my concert, when you get banging on the back, bring home the troops, Tony. Um, and then, yeah, he's, he's joined Ian Brown in refusing oh. to play to uh, any any concerts or festivals that allow vaccinated people in, even though that he was a massive drug person in the 90s. That's the thing. But, but, you so know. many anti-vaxxers <laughs> yeah. uh, that I, well, okay, I only know one or two, but like definitely did drugs. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't Eric Clapton. Understand. Eric Clapton was saying, I'm not going to do any gigs. The biggest cocaine in the <laughs> 1970s. Ah, he had to renege on that though. He played a, he played a festival or something the other week that was, that let, Vax people in so oh did he really yeah he hasn't got the courage of his convictions yeah, not well, like old a, van morrison he's a prick yeah i think oh I think yeah he is ashcroft even said that the first album was written on acid and you know so it's like oh dear so yeah and i was going to go to see him at victoria and you know when i ever see him live i don't really care um yeah i, I mean he of... is good like i said when i saw him in 2018 it it was good and you know, that's when I went to sort of check out his solo stuff a bit. Also, I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed with "Check the Meaning" by by him. Song song for lovers. That's that's an overplayed song. Hmm. I'm not such a fan. I did, of I did like it at the time. Yeah, yeah. But check check the meaning. Like I 
I get obsessed with it every now and again and I love to listen to like the long eight minute version and I, I think it might be one of my top played songs this year because yeah I just went into a little a little groove um mm-hmm. but again you know like with the verve and I'm like okay let's let's check out a little bit more it does it doesn't quite click but live yeah. very good so maybe yeah like mm-hmm. you were saying Fran similar with the verve just you need mm-hmm. to watch it live to experience it properly yeah I think he's a, a frustrating songwriter I think with a different personality his talent could have done a lot more if yeah. that makes sense you know and yeah. I feel like his personality has kind of halted his creativity unfortunately he might have worked with some other people um and unfortunately it, you, it yeah. could be that swagger though because you know mm. like um a lot of people from the north have that swagger I say a lot of people <clears> from the north the Gallagher brothers they have <laughs> that swagger don't they which is like oh yeah well I'm this and I'm that and you know it's my way or this and um but then they still went on and did um a lot better solo in fact I'm loving the fact that Liam is doing better than Noel I have to say <laughs> I love that fact so much yeah especially after BDI it's kind of a redemption isn't it for him yeah a bit, yeah you know? it is yeah it is I didn't realize that Richard Ashcroft was known as Mad Rich that Melody Maker called him Mad Richards uh <laughs> after a storm in heaven because yeah, apparently yeah already then it was it was difficult but Nick McCabe as well I think was it no, it wasn't John Leckie. Again, in this article that I was reading that I need to share with both of you, someone said that Nick McCabe is the most talented musician they've ever worked with, but also the most annoying. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think it's not uh, its not just Richard Ashcroft who, who's a bit difficult, perhaps, yeah. and, and that, that might be part of the problem. So are we going to ask a question, Babs? I think we are. Are Verve overrated? I think uh, Tara, making this playlist, I presume, hasn't changed your mind. <laughs> um, maybe not as overrated as I thought they were, but they still are a bit. I uh, I would say that they are a decent indie band. I can probably make a 10-track playlist that I would enjoy, but, you know, saying they were the 18th highest-selling uh, album of the... Was it history or just... That, it yeah, was uh, the 18th best-selling album in UK chart history, as yeah, of 2019. Yeah, that is crazy. They did not deserve to have no. that many records, but, um, yeah. They're, they're a perfectly adequate, adequate 90s guitar band and no more than that for me. Um, I think for me, like, you know, they, they have a whacking six point, over 6.5 million monthly listens, which surprised me. And, you know, four of the five songs on this playlist are the most listened to. So on the one hand, you know, maybe you could call them overrated, but actually the fact, Fran, that you gave me that homework to go and listen to, to different music and what you've both been saying is they sound very different and that's not listened to, it would really make me think that they're actually underrated because they are more than Urban Hymns. Uh, and even if it, Urban Hymns isn't a great album, it's just a, a great collection of singles. There's clearly more there to explore. Uh, so I, I will hold off on calling them overrated and, until I do some more exploring and until, yeah, those albums are better known. That sounds like a fair cop. Yeah, We're not going to get any hate mail from that. Over underrated. Sous-évalué. Humachette. Sopra-sottovalutato. Over underrated. So that was the end of part one. I have to say I'm pretty proud of myself of the conclusion that I came to trying to be very diplomatic in the verb being overrated or not. I definitely do think it's worth checking out Verve pre-Urban Hymns because it sounds very different. And I kept mentioning this article I read about the guitar sounds from uh, the early albums and it's super interesting. So I do recommend checking that out. But now we're going to get into it with two Manson superfans, Tara and Fran, 
let's talk about one of Britpop's forgotten heroes. It's an S-Pod thing. The podcast revisiting S-Club 7's insane TV show. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone's binge-watched this, anyone who's not on drugs. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this into my life. Uh, it was honestly, <laughs> truly appalling. Guests helped me analyse the show in more detail than anyone ever asked for. It feels weird to me to say the phrase sex object in a show that <laughs> was aimed at six-year-olds. Do you think Do you think this is one of the problems with the show is that seven is too much? It's an S-Pod thing from Great Big Owl. So welcome to part two, talking an underrated Britpop band, now Manson. So Tara, why have you picked Manson as your underrated act? Because everybody only knows Wide Open Space. And that's not even their best song. They've they've got so many better songs than Wide Open Space, but that's the only one that ever gets played. And I'm always forever trying to bring them to the masses because... I think people that's the, you know if if you go to it if if I go to a, a, an indie club now um and I'll ask for Manson and it'll be that and it won't be anything else it won't be stripper vicar which is just as danceable um but yeah I just think that uh you know for that for your debut album it's called Attack of the Grey Lantern for it to be an opus featuring characters such as Dark Mavis and the Stripper Vicar. And it's a story. You have to listen to it all the way through because every song in it tells you a story. But And just to have the brass balls to do that as your debut album, what are you going to do for something a bit different? It's going to be like a, you know, it's going to be a concept album about, you know, these weird people. Okay, fine. Here's the money. And they did it. And they did it well. Um they just ended in a horrible, horrible car crash. <laughs> not, not a literal one. <laughs> they're, they're not dead. Um, but yeah, it, they, they, ended, they ended really, really badly on them. Terrible terms, which mm. makes me sad. A bit like the Verve. Well, yeah. So I'm interested, Bab. So what's your uh, memory of Manson? Uh, so I can tell you that I know wide open space, but I also know I can only disappoint you. That's that's that was my knowledge coming in to, to right. this. And I, again, not been traumatized by the indie discos. I love to listen to wide open space when I'm driving, which is very mm-hmm. rare because I don't own a car. Um, and I, I was wondering if it was going to be similar to the underrated band that we picked for the first Britpop episode, Shed 7, where it's like, yeah, they're one of those bands that, you know, you know, a couple of songs, but probably that's only um, scratching the surface. And yeah, it seems on first listen that they very much are. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into this with you, especially as I know that if Fran had made a Manson top playlist, it might have been quite different. Isn't that right, Fran? <laughs> yeah, I was absolutely shocked when you put your phone so up. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, we can talk about that in a minute. But it's okay. like, oh, interesting, interesting yeah. choices here. In the 1996, I was into Duran Duran and Depeche Mode. And for some reason, I had not got into Britpop. I, for some reason, I was looking into the past. I think I enjoyed VH, VH1 more than MTV in those years. And then I got a girlfriend, lucky me, and she uh, was more into the enemy and Melody Maker. And she introduced me to uh, some Britpop bands. And I knew like Pulp and Blurb. I didn't know Manson. And she played me the Attack of the Grey Lantern. And I was like, oh, this is different. It sounds, to me, it sounds more like New Wave. Mm. It seemed to be influenced by, you know, Tears of Fears and Duran Duran and XTC more than like, you know, the Beatles or the Kinks. And I thought, this is very different. And I kind of always enjoyed the left field um, uh, art form. And um, so, yeah, my first ever concert after Prodigy was Manson in uh, Southampton Guildhall in 1997. 
and yeah, become because of them, I fell in love with indie music, and Fantastic. I would, I bought every single single, I own every single thing Manson ever produced. I had the posters on the wall because they've sometimes put posters inside the CDs. Mm-hmm. I bought the tape if it had a different song on the tape. I bought the vinyl. I bought vinyl for Manson. I'd never played in my entire life just because I knew it had a B side I'd never heard. I obsessed with them. I would go on to Yahoo chats about Manson Retro. back in 1998. I think I was one of the, the hardcore. Yahoo chat so. members in the late 90s. I remember um, when Little Kicks came out, mm. um, we knew someone on the inside who was sneaking us the tracks and we were downloading the track each day. And uh, like the first single, be more disappointed uh, with each track we discovered from the Little, little Kicks. And yeah, and I, it made us blew my mind. And I think the first album was the number one album. Yeah, okay. it was. And so it's just so weird. How can a band have a number one album and people know one song? It, I just find it bizarre. Uh, the music videos were, were mental tax loss. The music videos, <laughs> yes. they were, the tax loss yeah, videos, brilliant. They literally were given, I think, two hundred thousand pound budget for for the or no, sorry, twenty five thousand pound budget. And the music video is um, throwing twenty five thousand pound in King's five pocket. pound notes, five pound notes Incredible. with Manson stickers on in um, Liverpool Liverpool Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Inspired by EMF, perhaps. Yeah, and and they barely appeared in the music videos. No. And they were just, you know, an enigma. And I enjoy the fact that in Melody Maker they would have like these sort of love stories between Chad and and Paul and you know, and they would wear makeup and wear boiler suits and live they sounded nothing like the album. They sounded Mm. more like a like a post-punk band than than what you'd hear on the album. And you know, I just think thought they just sounded the same, much more interesting than Oasis and Shed Seven. I like Shed Seven Oasis, but Manson were were my band and I I kind of felt like a bit of a an outsider. And I think Swade Pulp and Manson were the bands for the outsiders. And unfortunately, Swade and and uh, Pulp and the Manics have, you know, st- still adored and playing to thousands of people. And Manson are the forgotten freaks of the 90s exactly, in some way. And, uh, They're the also rans. Really. Yeah, and I think it's completely unfair. And I think they yeah. have so, so many decent singles which should be played mm. on radio to this day. Anyway, rant over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're both really very passionate. I, I was thinking when you said, how is it possible that a band gets to number one with their first album? I was going to say probably because they were enemies darlings no I mean that's that they were the tastemakers for indie music it was so much more concentrated in the 90s so all you need is like I don't know a TFI Friday appearance and a couple of enemy covers and and probably that's that's what did it for them luckily TFI loved them they're always they're always on but um yeah it's just it's just weird you know people if I mentioned Manson, they go, oh, they the one hit wonder. I'd say they've had like three, like top five albums. It's just, you know, just uh, they were just ignored from history for some bizarre reason. So, yes, um, how did you get into your, how do you come to choosing these five songs, uh, Tara? Um, uh, they, they were, well, Disgusting wasn't a single, but the others were. Um, I wanted to pick ones that, are underrated that's why I, that's what I did I I picked the ones I think were underrated and the first song disgusting was supposed to be a single and the um the record label didn't want it as a single so I think if if disgusting had come out they would have been bigger I genuinely do because I think it's it's a it's different but it's catchy enough Sorry, that was my first choice. Disgusting, by Manson. <laughs> so, 
uh, Babs. My first impression. So bearing in mind that at this point I know wide open space and I can yeah. only disappoint you. I was like, what the fucking hell is going on? <laughs> this is not at all what I was expecting. Is this Fantasia for the 90s? You know, there's this very psychedelic opening with some piano synths and I put spoons, question mark. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on. You know, it has that beginning. Then it goes into a more traditional song, but there is still the psychedelic elements then. I was just so pleasantly surprised with that. Um, I love the bass, the distorted voice, the percussion, the bells. Um, reminded me a bit of delays, uh, mm, actually, yeah. which I, I thought Fran uh, might might approve. And lyrics-wise, I've written that it's it's like a more sophisticated charmless man. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, and I, I think yeah, the fact it's called disgusting that's such a you know it really stops you in your tracks as a, it's a as jarring a, word isn't it mm. jarring there we go that's that's the that's the word i was looking for it's a, it's a jarring title and it's such a great song talking about something so horrible it's mm. i i found it incredibly original yeah i loved it i've cool. always wondered if it's about paul draper himself singing in the mm. third person mm. um he seems i think there's a theme between all these songs we're going to talk about they're all very self-depreciating uh, mm. tracks aren't they really um i'm gonna say that this is my least favorite song on the album <laughs> oh, and okay. it, on the day album this is the only song i'd ever skip oh okay uh, and that, I, that's why i find it so um shocking um his voice is i don't like the way he sings in it the vocal it's very different to how he usually sings um i enjoy the guitar sound i enjoy the mm. weird percussion but yeah i just i can never get away with his vocal and uh, he sounds quite whiny in the chorus. So yeah, I, I, it never did much for it for me, unfortunately. Um, so when I saw him a few years ago doing the entire, don't, entire don't album, don't talk to me about I, that. I wasn't a very different venue, and again, I, I I thought, oh yeah, I've not heard this for like ten years or fifteen years, and yeah, it still went straight over my head. So not fan of disgusting, but we can move on to uh, mm. a better track. Sorry, you had to bring up the live show. Oh, so, uh, sorry, if you quick mention that. So, Babs, um, mm. on, on, um, Paul Draper, since he's become a solo artist, he enjoys milking Manson's legacy. Oh, God, yeah. He milks it. He milks everything. Also, milks- a song called Legacy is a Manson song, but he has brought out, you know, the fifth anniversary, the fifty, the eighth anniversary, the 12th anniversary. Every time there's anything to do with Manson, he tries to make money out of it, like T-shirts. And then recently, he's been doing... No, for tours of the Debra, I think he's done the sixth one too. And when he did the tour of the Debra album, he played like you know, um, a UK tour. I saw him in Portsmouth, and then he played Nottingham, and Tara was in, in attendance. When he Tara. yeah, so the the gig was the, the he was playing Attack of the Grey Lantern, um, in full, and it's my favorite Manson album. It's one of my favorite albums. And I got a ticket. So the first half of the gig was him playing his new stuff. Um, he played some of that. He was drunk. He was drunk and he was swearing at his band. He was swearing at the crowd. He went off, came back on to do Attack of the Grey Lantern. It was just an absolute car crash of a gig and it was horrible. Could he sing or he's slowing? Column A, column B. Oh, really? He sacked his keyboard player on stage. She oh was God. like crying. It was awful and he abandoned the gig. And my friend had driven me to Nottingham because I live in Coventry. So it's mm. like, it's maybe like an hour's drive. And I wept all the way home. And that's, I know how pathetic that sounds. No, I get it. But I, it's one of my favourite albums and every other gig had been perfect. Uh, and then I was at the shit one, which, you know, it, it, 
looking at things that have happened to me in my life over the past couple of years, some would say I was probably the jinx. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> my fault that it went wrong. <laughs> Britpop yeah. men, yeah, the curse. Exactly. I mean, he, um, wasn't, he, he wasn't sober in Portsmouth and he was sinking the, 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 the buds all the way through the concert. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, he never got that bad. No, it was awful. And then he had a tirade on Twitter about it. And then... Um, this whole thing and everything, like it got really badly reported on well not badly got it got properly reported on that it was just and then it was like I've had the, oh something came up suddenly a family crisis just before the gig and it's like oh, just say you just say you were too drunk you know I would I would accept that more I would accept the honesty of that but since then I kind of had a he was on about doing like a six tour and I messaged the I slagged them off on twitter and the manson twitter page got back to me and said oh well if we offered you um free tickets to the six gig would you take them and i thought about it and then i replied and said no because i didn't want to see the six gig since then me and him have made friends <laughs> um i bought some handwritten lyrics off him i bought the handwritten lyrics too i can only disappoint you so we've been in contact and he's like he apologized again he gave me the lyrics for cut price and um he's got me he said i can guest list on if he does the six tour whether he remembers that it's another story but i've got it i've got it in writing i've got it in writing <laughs> i'm back to uh to uh, your, what's your next pick uh, my next pick is fool from little kicks which apparently everybody except me hates well um it was the final single yeah. for for a long time um i liked fool it cuz mm. i like pop music i think the problem is is that it's a very much a commercial pop song mm. and a lot of Manson fans want weird and this is not weird no. and it, it, the video is interesting it has I like, really like the video yeah it has like Jesus coming yeah. back and normally uses Jesus <laughs> um so I thought as I was I was fine with this like compared to some songs on on Little Kicks this was a highlight for me but mm. I think Paul Draper does say that he wrote Little Kicks for the record company and mm. the first round he wrote for himself and yeah. you can kind of hear that um so I like, you know, it's it's a more up tempo track than yeah. the rest of the album. This first album's kind of dirty, mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's a nice surprise. I don't think I've ever heard it live. I, I saw them on tour. I can't remember them playing it. To be fair, I think they were kind of a bit embarrassed of it. So yeah, it's always been like it's always been seen as a you know one of his uh his, his lesser loved tracks by the hardcore Manson fans. Well, so that's that, it. Manson is such an odd band because they can do pop, but they mm. but you know. Six is a prog rock album, and that is Little Kicks is a mixture, mm. and then Six is like, yeah, I've done this for the record company. Now, what are you doing for your second album? Doing a prog rock album. It's like, what are you joking? So, but no, Fool, I like it. Is a good pop song. It's got an interesting video, and I'd like. I just it it lifts me up. So, Babs. What's your thoughts? And um, unfortunately, it brought me down. Um, <laughs> I, I thought this would be a, I thought this would be a no-brainer. Uh, so I thought the opening was quite promising, but yeah, Fran, you know me. It's a bit too stadium-y for me, is what I wrote. Just to not use the word melodic uh, a million times. I, I like the ooze at the beginning and the sort of mm. woozy guitar in the bridge. Uh, not so much my cup of tea, but I I wondered because you were talking, Fran, about the themes between the songs, and yeah, I found it very interesting to read about. Um, Attack of the Grey Lantern 
I think on Wikipedia it says, Paul Draper said that Attack of the Great Lantern is not a fully fledged concept album. It was his intention for it to be, but then he ran out of steam. He called the LP half a concept album, a con album. And then uh, all music referred to the album as a song cycle. And I was like, bloody, bloody hell, this is getting there. Uh, this is getting complicated. On, on themes, it feels like whoever is being talked about in full is who, who the person disgusting is talking about. Oh yeah, that's that's what I, I was like. Is there a link here that I don't know about? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, Manson Manson fans tell me, yeah, is that is is this a theory? <laughs> I think it's him talking about himself personally, but hey, yeah, because he, he he used to always use characters, hence what you know, the stripper vicar yeah. or or Mavis. It's quite Mavis, yeah. it's quite interesting when he refers to himself as an you know, an I being a fool again. But um, yeah, it's it's uh yeah. So if, I think for a lot of people, they're quite pissed off that that would be. You know, the last ever Manson single was not their favourite. But luckily, they then came back for an encore a few years later. But um, what's your next pick, uh, Tal? Over underrated. Sous-évalué. Urbachette. Sopra-sottovalutato. Over underrated. Um, it's negative from six. Because I like how it starts. It's an... Have you ever told a lie to hide a lie? Is a great line. Um, lyric, he's he's just really good at lyrics. He really is, you know. Um, and I didn't. I bought six when it came out, and I, I listened to it once and threw it aside because I thought this isn't this isn't Munson. This isn't the Munson I know. And I got back into it maybe about fifteen years ago. And yeah, it's one of my favorites now. And it's just, um, it's different. Again, yes. it's different again. So we've had disgusting, which was different. Fool, which is different. This is different again. It's quite proggy. Although I would say it's probably one of the the most straightforward tracks on six. Really, I mean, it's, mm. it's just. Uh, I think it's one of the only songs that's under five minutes, and it yeah. it doesn't have like four different sections. There's a point why it was a single. Um, yeah. I love the guitar sound, the down, 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 and yeah. uh, at first I kind of found it a bit. Yeah, I, I was shocked by it because it this wasn't tax loss, no. um, but yeah, it grew to be one of the the best singles I think they they've done, and I love the way that you know you can have. A punch air chorus, which is the opposite. You know, I look downwards. I'm feeling negative, but it feels like you're know, punching the ceiling. Yeah, I love it. Um, so yeah, I've always been a, a big fan of negative. Babs, what's your thoughts? I'm a fan of negative as well. Um, and I noticed that it was in six four. Like, uh, uh, all the songs in six four. Is it just this one? Oh is, no, is they, they, they get all over the place. They're all over the place. All over the place. Yeah, right. I guess yeah, yeah the one of the other picks this one. Then I don't think it is. Yeah, I I thought it was a really filmic beginning mm. i've written spacey guitars really driving bass again i love the breaks and the, the drum almost sounds like rocket fire or similar like yeah. I, I feel like this should definitely soundtrack black mirror or some sci-fi or something like that and uh, even the sort of spaceman voice effect in the bridge is great and i've written i really enjoyed the vehicle slowing down noises at the end <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like that's, that's, that's what i've uh, i've written and yeah like uh, for this one i definitely noticed the lyrics and i i thought it was quite funny because they were a little bit relevant to COVID times, uh, talking about can't be bothered getting up today. My future's looking positive. No one even picked on me today. So you tested negative. Panic in your yep. bed sit goes away. <laughs> <laughs> you convert to Scientology to feel part of something once again. Yeah, I, I, I thought this was a really great song. And yeah, totally agree, Tara. Like di different each time. And that's mm. what surprised me each time. After um, Legacy, the first single, 
this was again a, a different shift and that's kind of what you like about Manson that they're always different but still Manson I think his yeah. voice is very much you know his own thing and you so it's always that the guitar sound of Chad and, and Paul's voice, voice always yeah. made it Manson but they'd always hmm. will be trying to do new things and that's kind of why I think their third album hurt because it felt like oh you're just going for the emotions you're hmm. not you're not doing something completely bonkers again you know but, but I guess you can't always be, be going crazy with each album. Now you, there's only so many, so many times you can reinvent yourself. But um, yeah, what's your, your next pick, Tawa? Um, being a girl. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, fun fact, Danny Dyer is in the video to Being yeah, a Girl. It, I just saw the video before this record and I was like, is it? Is it? Oh, it is. Yeah. But yeah, so Fran, you said yes, please, right? So, uh, uh... Yeah, because I think it's... Uh... I think now it's probably one of the best ever singles. Mm. When I, again, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, what the hell's that? It was like a two-minute punk song. It yeah. was like, what? And the video was like, what? And, <laughs> the, like... and the, the, the drum intro is like, uh, don't stand so close to me by the police. Oh, yeah, never thought. Yeah, that, yeah and I, so I hate it when I first heard it. Mm. I bought it. I but, didn't like it when I first heard I it. I bought it because I like the B-sides. And, yeah. and then... I listened to it again and again. But when I heard the album version, which is mm, a whole different better. thing, it's like what is yeah. like a seven-minute track, and that's well, just... that's why they couldn't have it. As yeah. A <laughs> so you know, um, and uh, yeah, the second part of being a girl, I think I love even more than the the, the single with uh, mm. Chad's guitars, like riffs, like the, and yeah. you know, and uh, Paul's lyrics about you know, uh, Bolswood and and you know. Froggy doesn't see that. <laughs> that's what he talks about. A frog, it cannot comprehend the scene. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, okay, fair enough, Paul. And um, Andy's drumming's great as well. Yeah. Andy's a great drummer. Yeah, I Paul has a great voice, yeah. and I don't know who the bassist is. Uh, Stove. Stove. Uh, like they are excellent musicians. So that definitely comes across in all the songs. So uh, I've got a feeling. I don't know how much of Stove actually played in his recordings, yeah. but but that's on live, and he never seemed. He was he playing okay. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, he was coping. I only saw them twice. I saw them uh, when I was a student. They played at De Montfort Uni. And I saw them at Glastonbury. Mm. Um, and the great thing from that was there was a double rainbow when they were on stage. That was pretty oh. cool. That's something to remember. But yeah, Stove was there for the eye candy, I think, really. <laughs> It's lovely having a having a, a bass player called Stove and a guitar mm. player called Chad. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, how... Chad. It doesn't sound real to me, especially with, <laughs> with the connotations that it has now. But um, mm. but yeah, I bloody love this song. I, I, again, I put it. It sounds like a. They sound like a three chord American band mm. uh, at the beginning. You know, really like a, American style. Then it becomes yeah, really jarring, psychedelic. I mean, mm. when have when has balsa wood marks and frogs been in the same? <laughs> in the same category and I thought oh you know title wise you know I was thinking of to be a young man by Nadine Shah and I'm like yeah this is this this is a different vibe uh, mm. and the video with all the men being manly and exercising was was very fun and I, I, I thought it was just an interesting topic as well of like yeah. is this about you know not liking gender roles could it be even about being trans or something like that I, I don't mm. know it's it's really open very open to interpretation uh, especially the later the song goes but um yeah incredibly original yeah, yeah, and I, I think Paul would always wear makeup and yeah, Paul always yeah, wore makeup. Paint is now so it's always like a yeah. nice. they were a fluid band before that was mm, nice. really a thing. So it made sense. Yeah, to if know. you look through some old photos as well, there's Stove in like a dress and Chad in a dress and stuff. So cool. It was yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah so I'm I'm happy 
I'm happy you enjoyed being a girl. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, really, really great stuff. Yeah, no, honestly, because because I enjoyed all the verbs. I'm like, this, these are the best two playlists I think we've ever had. I had a great time. <laughs> great time listening to, oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, overrated, underrated. <laughs> what's Good in vibes. That, what's the next track, Tara? Uh, the last one is Slipping Away, which is from Kleptomania, which I know Kleptomania was the one when Stove had left. Mm. There are some good tracks on it. Um, I almost picked um, Love Is. Mm, Love Amains, yeah. Yeah, which is brilliant. Love Is, Butterfly is great, but but I love the fact that in, but sorry, I'm just going to talk about a different song for a second. (laughs) Um, Butterfly, um, it's a seven second intro before anything starts. So it's just silence for seven seconds and then it's just like kicks in um, because he just could get away with it and do what he wanted. By then he'd sort of said i'm doing this okay but yeah slipping away i just i don't know it's it's another good single and it's different again i think it's probably harks but back a bit more to attack the gray lantern mm-hmm. in the sound of it um so yeah do you enjoy it's, his scream it... at the start <laughs> always <laughs> Yeah, I wrote, they love a little jarring start, don't they? Because yeah. it, it comes it comes in. I thought the atmosphere that is created by the music really matches the lyrics. You know, my mm. fear is slipping away from me, my lazy feeling, feeling my skin. You're like, oh, it really, yeah, it, it feels very nice. And I, I, I thought it was another great bass and drum combo. But this one felt a bit less original uh, compared mm. to the other ones. It, to me... I've put voice-wise and, and music-wise, it feels a bit Oasis-y, you know, a mm. bit, a bit mm. psychedelic. Uh, although, you know, no Oasis song is going to have one minute of some piano and soft percussion and wordy synths at the end. So, you know, on that, they they remain uh, un- unsurpassed. So um, um, a bit of information regarding your track for Babs. Mm. So they um, recorded um, Kleptomania, which is the fourth album, and they finished about 75% of it, and then they broke up. So what you're hearing is uh, a guy track which is why it sounds a bit more less commercial and they wanted to add more um guitars to it and another vocal that's why it sounds a bit like mm. uh, more you know, sparse yeah, sparse compared to other manson tracks the ending i i so i opened up my cut to main box set to see if it mentions the ending because i thought oh was that going to be for another song or because it seems like it's going into another song and i can't find anything about it so i've got no idea why that piano ended <laughs> sections yeah. about at all so yeah and um they toured uh in, t- in 2002 and they played uh four or five songs off this album to us and uh we, we all, all get excited thinking oh my god they've gone back to uh the tackle the great and sort of rocky uh tracks and then we never heard them for a year and a half of them and got an announcement saying manson broken up and we're like what the fuck <laughs> and then because because we knew they had toured these new songs and they'd been in the studio manson fans then asked Pardophone can you release their fourth album? Because you know that they've recorded loads of it. And then, you know, a year later, um, they released it. But what's interesting is... Sorry, Cam. Sorry, I was going to say, isn't there like four parts of it? Yes. There's like loads of, yeah, there's like four discs of Kleptomania. <laughs> yeah, so one is the, one is like the remains of the sessions. Uh, disc two is like the B-sides. And disc three is like the, is like the some rarities um, that became like a little mini box set. But like, yeah, and then he, he, in it, he tells you you know, with each song, like how far they got. So if you, th- if you listen to Stepping Away, there's barely any bass on the on the verse at all. It's just mm. a guitar and some drums because you can hear... I'm surprised Paul Jeffrey didn't go back and, and re-sing 
his vocals. I don't know why he wasn't allowed to do that because he mentions a lot. Oh, this is just a guide vocal. I wanted to add backing vocals, so I wanted to do best of this. So why didn't he? I, I, is that I don't know. Understand possibly, why he... it possibly wasn't allowed. So yeah, so this was you know the the band breaking up, and this is the remains. And it, if you listen to the remaining tracks, you know it could have been a great album, mm. and it'd be lovely to hear of to hear. And he says, oh, we you know in um a few songs this isn't even the finished version they had rewritten the chorus but they never got to record it so it's really frustrating to know oh mm. what, what what could it's going to be amazing what could have been so yeah, yeah. so yeah they just they just broke up and that was the end of manson you know and mm. we never we've never heard again from stove or chad uh chad but- is a um health and wellness coordinator i think he's a masseur in a oh, wow. in a yeah a physio fella nice down yeah Norfolk somewhere yeah it's a sad thing for me because you know I adore them and now I kind of feel tainted by them unfortunately because of uh, how it all ended yeah I you know I do to an extent as well especially since you know Andy doesn't like uh, Andy is still in touch with Draper Mm. and Andy doesn't seem to be getting a cut of anything it's all Paul is getting it all exactly and Andy is what it seems to be like a lovely guy as well so yeah yeah I mean, there is an argument for the fact that Paul wrote virtually everything, mm. but you know, does he really need all that money? Well, and as Pat said, man, he's a, he's a quality drummer. And now he's yeah, he doesn't even get to play with Paul Draper's Saturday show. So although they they were talking about that, well, they were talking about him maybe playing, but I don't know if that was just drunken. Yeah, yeah. if they did six, I think Andy has to do it. He is six. He, of course, the, you know the tempo is constantly changing. He's the holding it together. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's got to do it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Bab. So we keep. Going. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually, I'm actually enjoying it. I was just thinking about how I've not had anywhere near that kind of contact with bands that I I like. Um, I think I'm a bit less obsessive. I think a fan of anything mm. these days. So I don't know if I could be fucked to to kind of go on the Yahoo chat. I, I as a teenager, as a young adult, absolutely. Uh, I think the most I do now is kind of comment on Instagram every now and again. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how much information you know and and how frustrating it is actually to have that contact. But nothing has happened since 2004. Yeah, uh, I just so, think. Yeah, I feel for you guys. <laughs> a part of me would prefer him just to be an, an enigma. To be fair, I just, you know, yeah, it's if like, you just didn't have these random meltdowns yeah. on social media, because every time I see it, I'm just like, oh. here we go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah you no. need an intervention. <laughs> well, it just sounds like yeah, he needs a, a good PR person and, and perhaps some help. Oh, mm-hmm. hope yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope he does. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, Manson, um, underrated, perhaps or. A hundred percent. Looking at their Spotify statistics, which is what I like to do, they only have 106,000 monthly listeners. Um, despite So Wide Open Space is their most played track with 9.1 million, which is a lot. But the next most played is the um, uh, Stripper Vicar with just under a million. So really, it must be, you know, Wide Open Space on a playlist or, or something like that. And yeah, I thought coming in, they're another, you know, they're another embrace sorry Fran they're another you know Britpop band that have a couple of good singles that's it and they are clearly so much more so I wholeheartedly agree with I imagine both of you that they are very underrated there's also a uh, a link to um the verve as well Mm -hmm. in that they were called Manson spelled M-A-N-S-O-N but Charles Manson's estate got in touch and told them to drop the name so they are spelled Manson they are spelled Manson, M-A-N-S-U-N. And when asked, Paul Draper said, it's because of the verb song, Man of Sun. 
there we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah we, we Not do, just thrown we together. Love, we, do love a, we do love a link. Uh, but also, you know, we've talked about, so Shed Seven are from York. How many bands do you know from York? Manson are from Chester. How many bands are there from Chester? I, a genuine yeah. question. I don't know any other ones. Do you know what? Yeah. Like Hollyoaks is based in Chester and they used to play quite a lot of Manson songs. And I thought, is this, did, yeah. is this on purpose? Because they're from Chester. <laughs> It's the only yeah. time I ever heard Matt, um, Matt was on holidays and Tierra Friday. Um, so um, my boyfriend is technically from near Chester and is younger than me and has never heard of Manson. Uh, I'm afraid to say. So, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so and I'm like, <laughs> you're gonna listen to them now. So you know, I, I'm passing it on to, even to the to the younger generations. You'll you'll be happy to hear. You can play them um, Fallout, which samples the Sugar Plum Fairy. Yeah. Oh. Which yeah, most uh, Britpop bands were doing back in those days, yeah? It clearly. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw them on, um, on that documentary in Japan. They're quite big in the far east. I think they were yeah. enormous in Japan, yeah. And, like, and Thailand for some reason. They, they yeah. loved them. I think they loved any guys with like no Vinus. They, they were like, like swayed as well. And they asked him, oh, do you have a rivalry with Kuda Shaker? And Paul James was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how are we even similar to Kuda Shaker in any fucking way? It's quite funny how they... Yeah. Bit, bit well, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Manson, Manson, the Suede to me were the were, were similar, and then you know all these other um, guitar bands I think were very different. To... No, I don't know. I always thought Manson were still sort of outside on their own. Well, maybe, but I, I think if people who like I found who liked Suede would like Manson. They they were similar in that way. Um, maybe because they weren't like about downing pints. Um, you know, yeah, which was a laddie thing, yeah, as you mentioned back in, in 1997. Mm. You know, Paul, uh, Manson were, were never in Loaded magazine, um, as far as I know. So yeah, that could that could be. I yeah. mean, given the video to being a girl, that doesn't surprise yeah. me that it wouldn't be their their vibe. But no, I I think they're extremely different to to most Britpop bands uh, at the time. Like it's, I you know, this is just five songs. Like I'm I'm very keen to go and listen to more. So yeah, Fran mm. for sure. We can we can wax lyrical about them on future episodes as well. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm really, I'm really pleasantly surprised. Uh, but yeah, but this is why Little Kicks are such a weird, because uh, you know, from the art, even the artwork was Anton Corbin's. It's like you mm. know they went very, very mainstream, and it's like, yeah. oh, this is not what we expected, you know. So it kind of. Uh... I went to an Anton Corbin exhibition, and I'm, I don't remember seeing a Manson photo. Oh, really? uh, <laughs> <laughs> many, many others, but uh, but not Manson. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. If you listen to um, listen to Six, if you have some time, and you'll be shocked. It even has Tom Baker doing Tom it. Baker's doing, on it. I was about to say yeah, Tom Baker doing an, on uh, it. Uh, yeah, some uh, some narrative in the middle of the Wow. This is why they probably weren't made big in America, old Manson. Um, for those reasons, they are like they British eccentrics, uh, I yeah. guess would, would be the term. So um, thank you for being our guest today, Tara. And You're welcome. If, Thanks for having me. It's been great fun. If our audience would um, like to hear more from you, how can they find you? Um, right. So I'm on Twitter at The Bluest Star. Um, I do do a horror podcast. Um, it's called The Killening. Um, it's a Patreon one. So um, we there is a Twitter account for that, which is at Killening. So if you want to find out more, go there. There's a Facebook page for it as well. Um, and I do a, uh, a radio show on a Sunday evening, six till eight on Edge Radio, which is based in Gloucestershire. But I do it from this very room. Um, I used to do hospital radio. Then I got the sack for something that I'm not going to go into. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to uh, her Patreon podcast to find out more. There you go. You're welcome. Um, uh, yeah, Matt's so had a Edge... song called The Edge as well. So not another yep. link. 
Yeah, <laughs> I think they. I think they're going to be my three from one artist this Sunday. So get uh, listening. Mm, it's been great. That's all right. Oh, we love having guests, and we love chatting about, about music. So yeah, you're a great guest, Tara. Thank you so much for coming you. on. No worries. Thanks a lot, Babs. Anything want to add? Uh oh, God. Now you've put me on the spot. Um. Well, I am hopefully coming to England soon, where you have freedom. We're about to get freedom here in Belgium. Uh, indoor gigs and stuff like that. So I am. I'm hoping to pop over and, and see some live music. Very, we have, super excited. We have freedom, but we have no petrol to... Yeah, oh, true, it. true. <laughs> Today, I got I got petrol this morning, and it felt, it felt so erotic. Oh, my God, <laughs> I, I filled up. Look at me, F1, look at me. <laughs> look at me, I'm a pump. <laughs> uh, yeah, just to let you know, because I saw that there was some minister saying, like, oh, the same thing's happening in other countries. In Belgium, it's not. So, of course it's not. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, we, we know we get lies. We, we get know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> Over underrated. Sous évalué. So that was Britpop part two. I hope you enjoyed and are in agreement that Manson really are an interesting concept band for the Britpop era. And we are truly hoping that no one comes after us after discussing, let's say, the less fun elements of the Manson band and everything that's come between. But that shouldn't stop the enjoyment of the music at all. And if you do want to chase after us or support us, you can find us on Instagram at over underrated music pod. We're on Twitter at OU music pod, or you can email us over underrated music pod at gmail.com. Happy Britpop listening. Happy times. See you next time. <laughs>